I had struggled my whole life up until that point. And it, and that was just to survive. So why wouldn't I then put my energy into something that can actually help me thrive? You're listening to the Millennial Musician Podcast with your host, recording artist and music career strategist, Shay Leonia. On with the show. If there's anything that I understand firsthand very well, it's what it feels like to be this age on a good day living out my dreams and still feeling like no one around me understands either why I'm doing it or what my goals are or why I I won't just settle or come up with a plan B. It's the most infuriating thing ever uh, because, <laughs> because there's something to be admired about someone typically who's, you know, fresh out of school, uh, who's, who's maybe done the college route, but they get to, they're, they're starting their life. They're, they're getting to go off and discover themselves and create art and be, you know, an out of the box thinker, but someone our age as millennials, it feels like everyone (laughs) has this silent conversation going on in their head when they look at you and go, okay, all right, you did that. Now it's, okay, all right, grab a seat now. I need you to find this cubicle quick, fast, and get some work done. Get to type in that essay or (laughs) submitting the the bar graph for the presentation. It's just, it's so infuriating because especially on – on the heels of this pandemic, what I'm hoping are the heels of this pandemic, who knows, murder hornets can still come back. Um, (laughs) But I I laugh, I laugh very cautiously. But (sighs) during the pandemic, what were people turning to? They were turning to the arts. They were turning to dance, dancing on TikTok. They were turning to listening to music. People needed music to cope. They needed music to get through every single day. And that doesn't change whether we're in a pandemic Lovato or not. We always need music to cope. You know, some people are freaks of nature and they don't need music. Whatever, good for them. They're not my friends. But others, like you and I, sometimes we just need that car ride. Sometimes we just need to go for that long car ride and on a beautiful day have the windows rolled down and somehow the song that comes on your shuffle, it feels like the first time that you've fallen in love with the song. Not the first time that you've listened to the song, but it feels like the first time you've fallen in love with it. It's like the stars have aligned and suddenly the song that you've heard millions of times throughout your life just hits you different. And it's a culmination of what's been going on in in the past few days in your life. Have you been have you even been outside of the house? Has your mental health been okay? Or are you in a, just in a fucking great mood because it's a great day outside and you just got paid and you know you're you're about to go meet your sweetie pie and you know everything is right with the world and all of a sudden Technotronic pump up the jam comes on. And 
you're like, oh, shit, (laughs) I never noticed that part. And this goes so hard and you just can't help but move. You can't help but move your body. It's us that are creating those moments for people. We are the ones that are creating these moments for people. And yet somehow society has has made it feel like we're supposed to have some type of expiration on when we're allowed to make that happen. It's rude. It's fucking rude and it's a lie, worse off. It's not true and it's it's not even just not true based off of those those tons of memes which are accurate about all of the different celebrities like Oprah and you know Michael Jordan who either failed first or started late in life, you know, um it's just music just doesn't stop coming to you just because you get older. And if the if your music career hasn't happened yet in the way that you envision it, it also doesn't stop being something that you can you can pursue. That does, doesn't have a time limit on it. It really doesn't. That's society's bullshit, and society is full of bullshit. You know why? Because society is based on patriarchal and misogynistic and racist systems that tell us that we're not allowed to be music makers later in life. Now, I know that that it's a particular level of suckage because when we go home for Thanksgiving or for the holidays or anytime you're visiting family that you haven't seen in a while, everybody asks you, hey, how's that music thing going? That thing? You mean my career? You know, it sucks because uh, even on this podcast, I introduce myself as being a professional musician. But that's because even when I, even when I had the dating apps downloaded, I, I felt, I felt the need to separate myself from people who were, you know, just trying it out for a couple days, just, just trying being a musician for a few days. I, I feel personally like I just want to just squash that argument immediately when I'm, especially when I'm meeting someone new by letting them know, no, this is what pays my bills. I am a musician and it pays my bills. Now get your jaw off the floor, put it back up to your mouth and let's go about our day. Cause I'm so tired of having to defend that. You know, even at this age, as an el- an elder millennial, I'm tired of having to explain to people, no, this is a career. And not only that, that it can be a career in a way that is, it's possible that you might not be able to envision. I know that you can relate to this. There are so many people that we encounter on a frequent basis that think that a successful career means that you have been on American Idol or The Voice or one of those uh, TV show competitions. And while I'm not dissing those shows, you know, I think that it's a viable route for some people, especially if you want to expand your your reach. And I'm going to actually be uh, bringing on an expert on reality TV. But it's beyond that. It's <laughs> They don't understand that you could have a viable living as a touring musician with someone that's not a household name. You could have a viable career as someone who is gigging 
at different corporate and wedding events on a regular basis. You could have a viable career as a musician if you are a music teacher, if you're giving private lessons. It doesn't matter. You could, and in my case, you could be a music career coach, a music career strategist. There's so many out there. I'm going to be bringing them on the podcast as well. But there are so many different ways that your music career can look, and it doesn't have to fit into this neat little tidy box of what other people expect it to look like on your behalf, just because you're creative. I want you to to walk away from this episode with the deep, deep, deep. (laughs) Are you creeped out yet? (laughs) With the deep understanding that their lack of their lack of seeing your big picture is a reflection on how small they think and not it's it's not necessarily i'm not trying to attack them i really don't want to belittle them but there are so many people that you know you can be curious you can ask questions but when you say to me something like how's your music your music thing going it's so condescending and you might not even be saying it in a way that you're you're intending to be condescending but that's how it comes off and your intent doesn't ever matter your impact is what matters and your impact is that you're making me feel or trying to make me feel like my music career is not as valid as your job as your career and that's not right So when these people are doing it, it's a reflection on how small they think. It's a reflection on their inner child that they didn't let play or explore or be creative or color outside of the lines. And you know what? I'm saying that from a place of privilege because I know that there are so many, so many people that come, you know, as first generation immigrants. And unfortunately, they don't feel like they have the wiggle room to pursue their own career. Joe Coy talks about this all the time, about how how risky it was for him to decide to become a comedian with his Filipino mom. It's very, very risky. It's very risky. And it takes chutzpah like you wouldn't believe. And I'm only saying that because I can only imagine. I can only imagine the balls that you have to have to stand up to immigrant parents who have wanted nothing more than to bring you somewhere where they feel like you can have all of this opportunity and then for you to turn around and say, I'm going to pursue the arts. I'm going to do music. And I can't even, I can't even picture someone downloading Fruity Loops and figuring out in their bedroom. Like I, I've literally been on, on calls in my, cause I'm a part of a financial group. I'm a part of a financial group and I've been on calls where someone who's first generation um, has said that they've had to pursue their their acting career in private because they're too scared of being kicked out of their home. The stakes are high. The stakes are so high for them. So again, I'm saying this from a place of privilege where if you grew up and you didn't have to face that obstacle with your parents it just comes down to a matter of them of people just not understanding people have never known what it feels like to take the risks that we've taken 
and how to be vulnerable. It's like we've chosen a profession where where we analyze what we feel and what we experience um on a on a day-to-day basis and we use that as our therapy. And then we put it out into the world to be to be open to critique and just being ripped apart, especially in today's day and age, being ripped to shreds sometimes. My God. It really takes chutzpah doing what we do. And I want you to be proud of yourself that you are still in it. Even if you have not created in a long time, I'm talking years, you are still an artist. You are still a musician. And it is still your right to treat it as such and to not have anybody else stick their sticky fucking opinions where it doesn't, it does not matter. You are not living their life. They are not living yours. If they wanted to be a famous musician, you know what? They could have done that and they can still try to do it, but it doesn't give them the right to belittle your pursuit of what you want for success in your own music career. So now that I've dumped that all on the table, I feel like I just dumped my purse out in front of everyone. Um, So I'll tell you about my experience growing up because I feel like people have a big misconception when it comes to hearing or learning that I grew up around musicians. They're like, oh my God, that must have been so cool. Like you must have had so much support. Uh No, (laughs) actually it didn't. Um, So we haven't gone into my story yet on this podcast, but I will give you a little, a little bit of it right now. So I grew up, uh, the baby, baby, my, my brother is 16 years older than I am. My sister is 12 years older than I am of, uh, I had much older parents and my mom had me when she was 38. So by the time I came around, um, I mean, I was like instantly, my mom was my best friend. And my father and brother played jazz trumpet professionally. My sister also played trumpet, but that wasn't her passion. Her passion was flute. And then my mom used to joke around that she played the radio because <laughs> she didn't play any instruments. Get it? So, uh, so yeah, so I, I was best friends with my mom, but I was also waking up every single day, coming down the stairs, um, you know, oftentimes to witness a battle Royale between my father and brother on who could play a night in Tunisia better. Um, <laughs> and with, you know, or, or some song with like stronger breath who had better, better breath support. It was just ridiculous in my house. And I, it's a wonder to me that I still have my hearing to this day. <laughs> um, so I ended up going the dance route. So my mom got me started in dance, but she was always there. Like she was always supporting me, always rooting me on. And she was very, very involved in anything extracurricular I did. So dance, she was the backstage mom. In brownies, she was the brownie leader. And she was just full of charisma and piss and vinegar. So she unfortunately passed away um, when I was young. And when it came time for me to start applying for schools, I remember I, at the time I was living with my sister and I, I told her flat out, I was like, I'm applying to one school. And if I don't get in, then I'm not going to college. 
And that school was the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. I remember I was having a really, really hard time at home. I had very, very low self-esteem. Um, and I really, I don't even know how I got through my high school years because they were just so difficult. But I went to that audition and part of the audition was if you're doing musical theater, you have to do a song and um, did you have to do a dance number? I think it was a song and a monologue. Yeah, that's what it was. A song and a monologue. I don't remember the monologue that I chose. I want to say it was something off the cuff, but <laughs> the song I chose, I think Someone to Watch Over Me by uh, George and Ira Gershwin, of course. And... I don't remember how long it took to hear back from the school, but I ended up not just getting admitted, but I got, I got a scholarship. I got a scholarship for the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. Didn't mean it was easy. We'll learn more about that later. But I ended up getting to go to this prestigious conservatory for musical theater. And I remember my brother saying before I went in that he didn't want me to do it. And I remember that he once told me that my father also talked him out of him pursuing his own dream. According to him, his dream was to play trumpet in orchestra pits on Broadway. Can I try that sentence again? English, hello. Orchestra pits pits on Broadway. Jeez, oh, Louise. Oy, my English today. So my father had talked him out of pursuing that because you know, the lack of stability and, you know, always having to look for the next gig. And, um, you know, if he ever wanted to start a family, it just wasn't going to be conducive to a family life. I don't know who talked my father out of pursuing his dream, but that's, I mean, I think that this was just generational that my father just, somebody did it to him too, because I remember being told that he, he they came here, they, they came to the East coast from LA so that he could pursue lessons with some fancy schmancy trumpet teacher. Um, so who knows what happened there, but he managed to succeed in talking my brother out of pursuing his dream. But that's why it's so important to me to pursue what's going to make you happy. Cause we only have the guarantee of this one life to try. So I remember flat out telling my brother like, no, I, I really don't care that you think it's going to be a struggle for me. That's fine. Because you know what? I had struggled my whole life up until that point. And it and that was just to survive. So why wouldn't I then put my energy into something that can actually help me thrive? You know? Oof, I'm on fire right now. Somebody somebody testify, somebody testify. This Jewish girl is dropping gems. No, but seriously though, like, why wouldn't I have tried? That's like, that's like climbing up to Mount Everest and then just, and not just walking those few extra steps to get a look at the view. I wanted something that I could hold and I could hold a music career. So thank you for listening to a little bit of my story. Please, um, you know, DM me on Instagram, Millennial Musician Pod. And leave a review because I want to hear from you. I really, I do want to hear from you. I want to know if this hits home, if any of this is valid for you. Um, 
and how I can support you because it's not easy. It's not easy at all. But I just, I hope that if anything, that this episode has served as a small reminder that you're, you're doing great. You really are. I know it doesn't feel like it, but you are so, oh my God, you are doing so fucking great. And I don't want you to forget that. I'll see you next time.